You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, good people? Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. I know I say that basically every time, but I really truly mean it. You could be doing any number of things right now, and the fact that you decided to spend time with me, honestly, it means the world. So thank you so much. Uh, This episode is really cool. Charles is a listener of the podcast. He reached out to me. He makes these really cool amps. I mean, we talk about it on the podcast, so I won't spoiler all that, but they're very cool. I really, really like uh, the one I've got to sample here for a little bit. And, you know, I would urge anyone to check out his work. They're very, very nice amplifiers. And again, very unique in the way that he has decided to execute the design. But before we get into this awesome interview, I have a few business things to get out of the way. Namely, you know, if you like this show, Uh, It's been a while since I've asked for a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. That does help the show out quite a bit. But most importantly, if you could tell a friend, tell a friend about the show. That is really what drives this thing forward. And I know, I know how hard it is to get your buddies to really do anything that you say, but especially to commit time to a podcast. That is something... That is really a big ask, but if you enjoy the show and you think they'll get something out of it, recommend your favorite episode, share it with them, let them know, you know, they're your buddies, they deserve it. If you like it, hopefully they like it too, and honestly, the word of mouth helps out a tremendous amount, so that would be my number one ask for this week of the podcast, business stuff. And, you know, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Mr. Charles Henry. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar things occasionally, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes not. Here I am today with my dude, Charles from Silk Tone amps what's going on man i haven't had an amp person on in a long time i'm excited about this yeah it's exciting i'm excited to be on that's cool i've been really eager to hear uh you know hear your opinions and stuff so well yeah i mean we can dive right into that since i have gotten to spend uh some time with one of your amplifiers i don't know if you have do you have a model name for this one i w- wasn't aware of this one is just the silk tone amp it's the just silk tone amp okay. yeah the, well, I, before I have we... plans for other ones that will have names because I guess they have to. But this one is just <laughs> the silk tone. Cool. The the uh, patriarch of the family. As exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I like get into my thoughts and, and feelings on the thing, I want to know more about you. Like, you know, you don't generally just wake up and make a unique am circuit and be like, hey, yeah, I just thought of this in my sleep. 
Like usually there's a little more to build off of than that. So what is your story? When did you start playing guitar? How'd you get into electronics and amp making and all that jazz? I want to hear it all. Right. No, that's funny because I did just July 13th, 2015, woke up and was like, I guess I have to make the same circuit that I dreamt about. But no, really? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard. No, uh, no, man, I got my start a long time ago, I guess. I, I was thinking about this because I've heard you ask this question before. And it's like, man, do I start, you know, at birth or do I <laughs> do I start um, when music came involved? Um, but really, so I guess as far as like making amps and getting into sound and audio, because I've always been into music since elementary school, like really into it way more than my friends. But uh, I guess I was like, 18 or 19 and I was looking for a good pair of headphones and I went to the stereo shop in Walnut Creek uh, in the Bay area. And I had heard like tube amps and really good turntable setups for the first time. I went in to get headphones and I was like, what the hell is happening? What is this? And uh, just music like i had never heard it before i was like why does it sound like there is a band like literally in the room and they were like oh yeah you know these are the you know planar speakers and crazy their systems were like they had like hundred thousand dollar audio setups and i was like just immediately enthralled so my my bro at 19 was never going to be able to afford a hundred thousand dollar stereo system well come on jump change (laughs) right yeah yeah uh but they had some really, really good budget stuff that you know, was still really expensive for me at the time, like like entry-level amps, like, you know, in the $600 to $1,000 range. And I started buying them and kind of just, you know, got some of it, but not everything that I heard. So I just became really enticed by it and really uh, curious about it and just started learning all about it on my own and learned how to build them and what made them really sing and what made them bad. And, but, um, you know, some of them are great and just learning those mysteries was just really cool. The whole learning process and just rediscovering all the music that I loved because you know, when I had these awesome speakers and awesome tube amps, it was like hearing them for the first time again. So uh, I'd hear all these new things and just listen to my whole collection. And, and it just went from there. And then, so yeah, I started out building uh, hi-fi amplifiers and, you know, doing mods on them and stuff like that. And then people told me, oh, you should sell these, you should sell these. But I, it, I don't know, it was kind of boring to me to, to do that for other people because it kind of, I don't know, it, not as fun as guitars because I was also a guitar player. So uh, I started messing with guitar amps more and more and it was just way more fun to me because you can do whatever you want, you know, for a hi-fi amp, you build it and it's, you know, it should only do one thing. It should reproduce music as, as well as possible uh, for a guitar amp. There's, you know, there's no rules. You could do whatever, like you want to do bad circuits and bad things and use, you know, colorful parts that, add to this nuance and tone. So that was just way more interesting to me. And uh, I just took it from there and really studied the circuits I liked and really, uh, you know, just started collecting an abundance of old vintage amplifiers and doing repairs and stuff. Uh, I guess like most people in this industry, I started doing repairs. Like uh, me and my buddy did all the, we had the contract basically for, 
all of the guitar center repairs in the Bay Area, or most of them, from like Sacramento down to down to Dublin, basically. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, so I got a lot of experience doing that, just fixing their stuff because um, they don't do you know amp repairs in house or anything. So learned a lot that way, and learned what I liked and what I didn't like, and uh, and then just yeah, kind of went from there. And then I've been working on the Silk Tone amp for. I guess 2016, it, I started like conceptualizing it and it took a long time to really satisfy me. I had a lot of aha moments along the way, but it started pretty simple. I really wanted, I'm glad, I didn't know this about you, but I'm glad that you have this background in hi-fi because in the back of my mind, and you can tell me if this is true or not, because I have sure. no experience in hi-fi. I have very... I, I mean, in hi-fi world, I don't even have a stereo, basically. Oh, wow. I mean, to me, it's like a medium. It's like, <laughs> it's okay. But like, right. just to a real hi-fi nerd, they probably would say, what is this consumer trash that you're using? <laughs> right, right, you know? right. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, I don't know. I think it sounds all right. But uh, I would like to know, because there's this weird part of me that has this, uh, I guess, hesitation to uh-huh. believe some of the stuff, right? I'm like, I see things where I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is a $10,000 cable. I'm like, "Hmm." I'm like, hmm, I don't know how much that, like, based on my limited knowledge of electricity, I don't know that that really works, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so it gets insane. The the stuff I've seen is ridiculous, and that's one thing I liked about that stereo shop that I, that I, fell in love with. I actually worked there for a short time, but they also didn't like that. I mean, they would sell expensive things if it really made a difference, mm-hmm. but oh my God, some of the stuff I saw people, you know, get into and not to knock anybody. I think most of it is a hobby and people become obsessed with um, hearing changes. I've, I'm guilty of that too sometimes. So oh, definitely. people, you know, they get into it and, a lot of it is people with these big budgets and and a lot of time on their hands and they will, they will get these $10,000 cables and stuff just to change it and see if it, if it does make a difference and it will, they do sound different. I I won't say better all the time, but I've definitely heard trade-offs and it's hard to believe when, cause I doing this, I, you know, I've heard all the flack and I've, I've had my stuff be called snake oil before or whatever, which is, Oh, a term that I hate so much after <laughs> just after after being exposed to uh just you know different online communities of armchair critics but uh the um so with your basic setup and your basic system like your stereo or or lack thereof if you threw a ten thousand dollar cable on there you're you're probably not going to hear much of a difference you're gonna go you know what moron would pay ten ten thousand dollars for this cable. But when you get into the really high-end stuff um, with really clean, really quiet power supplies where the background noise is just like null and you have this huge, yeah, just a huge signal-to-noise ratio and really revealing speakers and amplifiers that don't color anything, every little thing makes a difference. It can. Um, so, So, yeah, you'll hear difference between some radio shack cable or some 
crazy over-engineered $10,000 cable. Is it worth $10,000 for that change? Not to me, <laughs> but <Right. laughs> to some people it is, sure. Um, I uh, I really like this vintage cable. Uh, it's It's an old Western electric cable, and I got a bunch of it a while back um just like at uh not a garage sale but like just like an old uh secondhand store mm -hmm. and um it's western electric it's some kind of braided copper but it's tinned so it's a tinned copper and man it's like the most musical cable it's just so balanced top to bottom and there's nothing super fancy about it and i actually based my silk tone um speaker cable around it. So I have like a nice 16 gauge silk tone speaker cable that I modeled really closely to that old one. And, um, you know, I've given that to people and that stuff's not crazy expensive. It's it. I don't think I even sell it online, but, um, I think I charge like a dollar a foot or something like that, which is, um, not that bad. And people have hooked that up and been like, Whoa, Oh my God, it's so much more dynamic. It sounds so natural, you know, and, and really that's all it takes. So I think a lot of times in the audio industry, I'm getting way off topic, but, uh, not really. You're, you're it, on it, topic. <laughs> it, well, it's, it's dragging on more than I, I meant to be concise, but, uh, but a lot of times in the audio industry, people will see that they can charge that much. So they do, there's no way it costs that much to build that. That's the like, thing. Yeah. It's insane. So, um, and that's another reason I didn't want to do the hi-fi thing because it's like, yeah, I can build a, an amazing amp and it would like the amp I'm looking at in front of me right now. It's a custom, like bunch of exotic old tubes and stuff like tubes that you've never heard of in the guitar world. But in the hi-fi world, it's like, you know, they're the, the Holy grail and, uh, the level of audio that this thing puts out, like it would compete with like 20, $30,000 amplifiers. I don't, I don't want to charge that. It didn't cost me that much to build it. And what am I going to sell one a year? You know, like it's just, it, yeah, I, I don't like doing that. I like, I like to keep the cost more uh, down to earth and accessible to people. I don't think it should be some uh, exclusive club to get into this like really high end audio stuff. You know, what's interesting to me is how the different markets work, you know, uh, from guitar to cars to whatever you're talking about once you get into something like hi-fi or or guitar to a degree there's kind of these pricing tiers that things fall into and with hi-fi especially it's like so say you you did sell that amp and say it it did perform as well as a 20 30 unit but it really you only needed to charge you know two thousand or fifteen hundred the 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 problem is that market's so conditioned to those price ranges that they would think there's no way, like your general consumer in that in that realm would think there's no way that this $2,000 amp can be as good as my $30,000 amp. It's not possible because it's oh, $30,000, yeah. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's with both industries. That's with hi-fi and with guitar. I've, I've, I, I had so many sleepless nights trying to price my, my, silk tone amp just because for that same thing like i think it competes with the best of the best absolutely but it, it's like in the guitar world you're almost looking at like they price things so differently it's not just performance of you know sound quality like uh it it's almost like a like dollar per watt kind of thing you know like so 
I had a lot of people tell me like, oh, you're going to charge $2,000 for it's only a 12 watt amp. And I was like, well, yeah, but you know, look at all these other amps out there. that are only 15 watts or so or 20 watts and they're charging more than I am. And this thing more went into it more, you know, it has really, really good parts inside. And, um, it, again, it, for me, it's, I think about it two different ways because in the hi-fi world, if this level of, of, uh, development and sound, um, quality came out of a hi-fi amp, it, it would be multi-thousand dollars. So I'm like, $2,000 is steel. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, yeah, when you're looking at it, like in the guitar world, I've been told it's, you know, a little bit on the high end, but it's not, there are definitely more expensive amps out there. Oh, I mean, big time. There's, there's definitely more expensive yeah. amps, uh, even amps that do that. If you're just looking at straight wattage that, that are in that ballpark, there's more expensive amplifiers. Right. And, exactly. Um, and that, Oh, sorry. I realized. So to, for your, to comment on your, uh, your observation. Yeah. If I, I was afraid that if I price it too low, people won't take it seriously because they'll go, you know, even if it sounds great, people have that, um, that cost association with, with thinking something will be better. Like if I priced it at six grand, is it automatically going to be regarded as like this? Oh my God. Like that must be amazing. It costs six grand. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of psychology that goes into it. It's really insane. And I don't know how much people actually realize it. And I, maybe I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit too much here, but I'll go <laughs> ahead and give a case study. There's somebody that I know that had a product. I think I can be vague enough with that. They had a product that was great. Honestly, really great. And they priced it very affordably because they wanted to and they could. Yeah. They, you know, like they, they had the room, they could make money on it. And it, it was worth it was worth more than that, in my opinion. I would have paid more for it than what they priced it at. Couldn't sell them. Couldn't could not move this product. It's a it's a very usable, universally great thing that any guitar player could use, but could not move them. Doubled wow. the price. Uh, changed the name, um, and and the look a little bit. Basically, different graphics. And, right. and, but it wasn't like worlds different. It's not like, oh, this one looks so much better than the other one did. It looked, it was a lateral move in my opinion. Yeah. Sold them out. Man, that's crazy. You know, so there's this price perception with certain things and some of it, you know, I'm, I, this is something I work with a lot of companies on is pricing. And it's really hard because you, you want to get it to as many people as you can, as affordably as you can, but there's that case study right there. Right. You know? I know, and I know I was, I'm not the only one who's experienced that. Oh, for sure. I was thinking about that too, because, and I have to remember too, for silk tone, it's like, I, I've moved a decent amount. It's only been out there for about a year now. And it's, uh, I've been told that, Oh, you know, 15 amps or so in your first year is not bad. And, uh, and cause that's being transparent. That's about what's out there right now, 15 to 20 or so. Um, and, being an unknown company that nobody's heard of, I, I find that they, uh, they're a lot more reluctant to pull the trigger on something that they are just now hearing about. Cause there's 100%. no, uh, yeah. there's no, you know, social validation yet or anything like that. So, uh, the pricing it that way, I was like, Oh man, um, 
I, you know, I was wondering, oh, you know, I always, I always think if, if I priced it, you know, $16.99, would I have sold 50 this year? Or if I priced it higher, would I have sold just as many? But I, I'm not that worried about it. I, I, I priced it where I thought it was uh, really fair. Um, I made a little bit of, of money to make it worth doing it and to make it fun to keep doing it. And everybody who's gotten it has been, you know, totally blown away and thrilled. Nobody that buys it goes, Oh man, this is amazing. But I wish it was a few hundred dollars less. I'm sure they kind of think that, you know, we wish we all wish we could get something more. Oh, sure. Yeah. I wish, I wish it was free, but, uh, but yeah, it's, I'm actually for my next amp that I'm, that's in the uh, design phase right now. Uh, it's more of a bare bones than the amp you have. Uh, there's no reverb or anything like that. It'll just be kind of a volume and tone thing. And I'm, I'm working on the same thing. Like I know it's, uh, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this stuff, but, uh, (laughs) but I I know it's, uh, you know, it sounds just as good. It's just, the versatility is a little bit different, but it's the same kind of conceptual amplifier where it's, it's going to be, basically the same same box same speaker same uh same tube uh so it'll be a 12 watt single ended amp still but it'll just be volume and tone so it's way faster to build and way cheaper to build so it will be less expensive for sure i'm just trying to decide how much less expensive right um, cuz you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot in either in the you know it, like we were just talking about you can't you price things too high then it's like <laughs> right. If price things too low, then it's like a not worth doing, or b people think it's junk. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's oh, it's only thousand dollars, no way, or oh, it's only five hundred dollars. Uh, there's no way it could be as good as this. Uh, you know, insert name of other high end amp company or whatever. Right, but, right. <laughs> it's a it's a weird thing. It's a it's a very strange thing to try to get, gauge what what's gonna work for people, and you know, while trying to be fair to yourself and fair to the the customer and everybody involved you know everybody that i've ever talked to is trying to strike that balance of win 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 nobody that i know is like let's get them right like let's get them like even for things that are you know expensive you know they're they're not doing it because they want to hose people most of the time yeah not the people i know a lot of work goes into it and I've seen that online so much like, Oh man, why did, why, why would you buy this amp when, when you can buy this other amp that's, it does the same thing for so much less. And it's like, dude, like so much work goes in. Yeah. One does it, or is that just, yeah. Uh, and yeah, people have different values. Oh, like this amp is so much more versatile. It has an effects loop. It has this, it has that. And it's like, well, in my world, I see that as, degrading the tone (laughs) so you it's almost like the more you add and the more features you add unless you do it right it's going to it's going to suck tone or just kill uh just signal integrity um too many volume pots will kill signal integrity in as far as i'm concerned but um yeah they say you know why would you get this when when this is so much cheaper and you look at that one and you know, it's mass produced, which which is fine. I've heard great mass produced amps, but when you're looking for kind of like a, I guess it's like a niche thing, the, the boutique amps when they're all hand wired or point to point or on turret boards or whatever, so much design work goes into those and so much uh, just labor and the, just the, the, the mind hours and the, the man hours that go into it is, 
they're basically telling people that that's not worth anything, I, I guess. I don't get it. So uh, it can get frustrating, but but it's mostly most of the response I've heard is, is really great. And most people that are interested in that kind of thing absolutely know the value of it and and are happy to to get behind it, you know. Um, so th- that's what I like about the industry is that the people, uh, the naysayers are most people that that don't even aren't even involved anyway. They just they they don't they're not into this kind of thing, and so that's why they don't understand. Um, like a friend of mine said, you know, oh, why would you why would you pay two thousand dollars for an amp or whatever? And I well, I don't understand why you would pay sixty thousand for a car, but I'm not a car guy, right? So, <laughs> you know, so it's <laughs> to each his own, you know. Right, right. There's something for everyone. Different strokes, different folks, and all that. That's uh, yeah. what makes life beautiful. Um, you know that it's it's such a funny thing. Like we we all have these perceptions of what is dumb to us or what is cool to us. Right. And like to me, what I get to do is really cool. But I can totally tell when like talking to some like somebody that I've never met before. They're like, "Will you do what now?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, I, I talk to guitar people uh, <laughs> on the internet." And people listen to it. They're like, they they do. I'm like, yeah, I know why? it's weird. But why? I think it's cool. Yeah, and they're like, why? Why would why would anyone want to do that? I'm like, well, thanks. Yeah. I don't know why anybody'd want to be an accountant, but yeah, thanks. that's what you are. So I guess you really like numbers. <laughs> cool. They're all right, I guess. Yeah, it's just, we all have different things we gravitate towards, and yeah, that's what that's what makes things makes things fun. That's what I told people. It's like, um, I've talked to other, even like guitar shops around here. Cause I know, I know a lot of people around here and they go, Oh man, like you'll sell a guitar way faster than you'll build an amp or way faster than you'll sell an amp, man. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But I like amps. I like, I like messing with tone and doing all that. Guitars are great too. I own several, but, uh, messing with pedals and amps and stuff. It's just, I, I'm not worried about it failing. There's no way it possibly can. I already see it as a success because it's, it's, it's my passion. It's so fun to do. I'll never stop. It's, it's, it's kind of what I have to do. So right. uh, it's regardless of whether I um, blow up or keep going at this pace, it's, it's super fun. So uh, it's, I would, I can't imagine doing anything else. Well, let's talk about the amp a little bit because now yeah. I've gotten some playtime with it. Not as much yeah. as you would think because I had power outage, but <laughs> right, right. Uh, which we're recording. I literally just got internet back yesterday evening. So oh my I, was, I was thinking I might have to text you and move it. But fortunately, my internet came back. I was waiting it. for that text because I've been, you know, following along on Instagram. I'm like, oh, man, I hope, I hope you can uh, still make it. But I didn't want to do that. And I'm are. glad that I didn't have to. Yeah. So. yeah. But uh, it is the only thing I've played since it arrived. What would that have been last Wednesday or so somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so I've gotten several, several hours with it already, actually. Nice. Cool. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I really like it. It's a lot different than anything I have. What's really interesting to me is especially with, uh, with single coils, I can get like that nice, clear, it's got enough headroom to work with, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can run dirt pedals into it or I can run different things into it. And it's it's if I dial it back a little bit, it's got plenty of headroom for that. Um, but what's really nice is I can crank it and it gets really saturated, like really, really 
uh, it sounds to me like, I don't know how to describe this exactly. It sounds to me like a fuller, richer champ without the flubbiness when it's, Mm. when it's dimed. Um, and you're really hitting it. So, you know, you know how like, uh, some of the old tweeds and stuff, they have this great, like searing sound, but they can kind of fart out a little bit and like, they don't, they, they're a little, they can be a little bit loose feeling. Uh, this doesn't do that. It has all that richness and all of that, that yumminess, but it stays tight enough that it's controllable. And, uh, I really enjoyed it. I really, really like it. The, uh, the uh having the reverb on there is really nice and i actually don't have very many amps i only have one other amp that has onboard reverb and uh i don't know i've been i've been really liking how it sounds my favorite thing so far is uh, the same day i got that i had the hologram electronics microcosm show up which is this oh, crazy nice. looper it's insane it, yeah. i'm my mind is blown by it but running that out to the silk tone and having the silk tone cranked and really playing with my guitar's volume knob and, and these crazy loops that this thing does, when I want to, I can get the loop pushing really hard and driving the amp, and it's like it's just crushing everything to where it feels like it's about to spill over and then pull it back, and then it gets clean again. And I don't know, it's it sounds really cool to me. I really like it. What I also really like about it is it gets this big, huge drive sound. And it's just an, it's just the right volume where I feel like, oh, yeah, I'm really playing an amp, but it's not destroying my ears. <laughs> so that's my overview of the Silk Tone amplifier. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I was... Uh... I'm I'm always nervous to hear people's opinion because even though you know I've sent several out there and they always come back uh, glowing, I, I I love that I'm, I'm blushing. But uh, the uh, it I'm always afraid that's like oh yeah it wasn't my thing, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it, but it's it never happens it still hasn't happened. So uh, no that's really cool yeah uh, you you're not wrong I I've I've heard it compared that way a lot of times like a really really full really nice really clear champ uh people say like a like a champ on steroids or something mm-hmm. like that but yep. um a lot of care was taken to get rid of the flubbiness so um the and it all everything everything matters it's crazy the box design had a lot to do with that um cuz i wanted to do a 12 inch speaker just to get that low end cuz i'm a big like i really when i play guitar i'm I'm on the low strings, you know, I, I really love low end, really heavy stuff. And, uh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want it to be flubby, but I, I wanted to get that bass saturation without it all falling apart. And with a 12 inch speaker and a simple, uh, circuit like that, things can start to go haywire like really fast. So, um, <laughs> it's like, cause it, it's, it's certainly not a champ circuit. The reason it sounds like a champ is because it is, a very simple circuit and it's single ended. So you don't have your push pull output tubes. You have your one, uh, high powered KT 66, uh, bottle. And, but it's just, it's just in single ended mode, the same as a champ is. So you get that really full, really rich, uh, second harmonic distortion out of it. When you push it, that is, uh, typically killed in a push pull configuration. Um, they have, uh, noise canceling and stuff. So, uh, 
it that's where that characteristic comes from from basically being single ended through the whole thing um and it allows it what, what i love about it too is even at low volumes cuz i what i find with a lot of amps uh that are push pull you have to really hit that almost breakup point for it to really start sounding full bodied and, and nice. Mm-hmm. Um, at low volume, it, it's just kind of kind of boring. But with this one, if you want to do the clean thing, um, yeah, you keep that volume down, and it still sounds so lush and full. But then, yeah, you crank it, and that's that's when it really starts to open up and get get all kinds of complex harmonics and everything. So. That's just yeah. I had to do it that way. I love a single-ended amp. It's it's just so raw and dynamic, and uh, you get like you said that that response where you can just turn your volume knob down and it cleans right up, and then you just find that sweet spot. And uh, I often leave the silk tone amp just on full bore, just turn it up all the way. <laughs> That's and where it's just, at right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just and then turn it down with the. Uh, with the volume knobs. And that's what I'm finding too. Even, even me, like as familiar as I am with this amplifier, I'm still finding sweet spots and finding um, that, that like, I can't really find bad sounds. There are definitely sweet spots that sound, you know, tremendous, but I've been playing with it recently, just with the treble set all the way up and then uh, mids group it, you know, turn the mids back and then bass, you know, to taste. But um it sounds so punchy and full there. Whereas normally with another amp, I, I would never turn the treble all the way up. It sounds squealy and disgusting and just, uh, yeah, a lot of care has to be taken to, to tame high frequencies. That's a lot of what went into this one was a uh, high frequency control. Um, I didn't want to lose any liveliness or punchiness by, um, like filtering out the high frequency, but mostly just finding parts that don't resonate and ring. Is it, what is it about that KT-66? Why did you go with that? Oh, dude, I think it's the most underrated power tube in in guitar amplifier history. It's it's so nice. Um, I, I'm familiar with that tube from Hi-Fi. It, it sounds tremendous, especially in uh, like triode mode when you, when you cut the power in half and don't use it as a uh, tetrode. But... Um, in in tetrode mode it just has this huge full bodied tone that is is so nice that i so the first time i heard it was on a it was a reissue actually of a an original jtm 45 mm-hmm. and i was just utterly blown away i was playing with 6l6s a lot before that and i heard it uh in the guitar configuration in a in a reissue jtm 45 uh marshall amp and it just oh my god the tone was so amazing that i i started becoming obsessed with those and hunting those down and everything and you swap out the tubes in those things and and they don't sound the same they don't sound like they should so um i started playing with the kt66 more i did really like that it was a uh, it had more power than a 6v6 or something like you traditionally get in a single ended circuit um and it just it just did everything that I loved about the other tubes I love because you know I I like six L sixes and six V sixes and any L thirty fours but the KT sixty six when I introduced it to this circuit it there were no trade offs it seemed like like um, 
when I when I demoed this amp with a six v six, it had that really sweet, uh, just a really sweet voice and really sweet high end um, that the six v sixes are known for. And the six l six, I tried it and it seemed a little sterile. It was kind of boring. It was okay. It still had the high end, but it had that bottom fullness. And I'm I'm finding more and more that it's hard to get more of everything. You know, right. You, you add more bass and it just, it's not like, and the treble's not as good anymore just because of, you know, oral perception or whatever. So, uh, it, I was after that, like, Oh man, I want, I want the sweetness of this, but I want the full end, you know, the full bottom end of that. And you add both in and it just, it just kind of becomes too balanced and sterile. Uh, but with the JT 66, I still got that really pretty, really nice, uh, sweet high end. And then it had an even bigger bottom end than a six L six or something, but it all, it all held together and, and worked really well because the KT 66 doesn't really have like a mid scoop, like a natural mid scoop, like those other tubes trying to do. Um, so it all, it just worked out really well. And then you overdrive it. And it's like better crunch and, and overdrive than a than an EL34. So I would just as soon as I heard it in my amp, I was like, I there's I'll probably never make an amp without it. <laughs> so what like what inspires you musically? Like we've talked a lot about the equipment itself, but what are you listening to? Like what gets you fired up? Oh man. Uh a lot of stuff. This it's Sorry, what a boring answer right now. Uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff, <laughs> man. Lot of Let stuff. me tell you. Yeah, I like music. <laughs> it's, uh, um, it, lately, actually, I've been I've been revisiting a lot of '90s stuff. I I fell in love with the band Pavement again, and mm-hmm. I've been really listening to that a lot. So, uh, Pavement, and then I've discovered a bunch of other bands that way because um, title or whatever streaming app I'm using at the time, you know when your album's done, they play what you, they think you'd like next. And, um, a lot of times I do. So, uh, I've been listening to a lot of this band quasi or quasi quasi or quasi. I don't know how they say it, but, um, just, yeah, nineties, just like, I don't want to say alternative, but, uh, just like experimental rock bands. Yeah. A lot of shoegaze and stuff like that. I've always been really into that. Like it's when I got into guitar, I, I didn't know how to play. I've actually never taken guitar lessons. So it's all, I just find tones that I like and, and I go from there and I've, I've become a more skillful player over the years, but a lot of it started out as just finding cool sounds and finding cool noises and uh, playing. My first guitar was a, uh, one of the Japanese made Epiphone uh, casinos. Oh man, so, those are great. Oh man, I I love it. I, I actually just got it fixed. It was out of commission for a long time. But the feedback out of those things, I loved playing with because you crank an amp and you just you get it to ring and and uh, just feedback and you get these really cool tones out of it. So I like a lot of stuff like that. I was I was big into uh, like Spiritualized and the Brian Jonestown Master and Jesus and Mary Chain and stuff like that. Um, a lot of those really noisy bands. Uh, My Bloody Valentine was a big one. But then I also love, you know, I've been listening to a lot of like Billie Eilish lately and Adele and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, just like, you know, beautiful female vocals and stuff. Actually, lately, I've been doing more and more jazz. I just got, um, 
I just got a really cool pressing of uh, the Dave Brubeck timeout album. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, just the sound quality alone has blown me away. But I, I just love all that stuff. Um, so yeah, just lately a lot of, uh, a lot of pavement and my bloody Valentine and Kendrick Lamar. All right. I like it. <laughs> all, all kinds of stuff. I'm going to have to send you a couple of clips, uh, since you, you seem to like the shoegaze. I got to send you some stuff that I'm working on. Oh, nice. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is, uh, it's funny that you say that because, um, my rig for a lot of what I've been working on lately has been my Benson Vincent, which I play all the time. Everyone Those knows how awesome. obsessed I am with yeah, that thing. They're, they're fantastic. And then my other amp, because I've been running stereo, because why wouldn't you, you yeah. know, if you can, uh, is a 1965 Ampeg J12. Um, and I really like that amp. It's really cool. It's very bright, um, which is a nice thing for me, because I tend to dial in things maybe a little too dark. Honestly, I don't know why. I've always right. like kind of favored the, the dark end a little bit of things. And so that helps compensate for that a little bit. Yeah. But I'm actually going to swap the Ampeg out for the Silk Tone um, and try to see what I come up with that. Because with the reverb and with the way that the Silk Tone breaks up, I think I might kind of swap things around. Like I've been running the Vincent dirty and the Ampeg clean. And I think I'm going to go backwards. I think I'm going to run the Vincent clean and try the silk tone dirty. Oh, nice. In my stereo rig, I have an idea I want to try, especially now that I got this microcosm. That would um, be cool. Yeah. But I need to stop. I need to stop making stuff. I need to finish mixing what I have. Oh, <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard to go, okay, I'm done. You know, like <laughs> well, when you're feeling it, right? Like yeah. I, I wasn't feeling it for so long. And now I'm in this streak of like, I want to make stuff. I want to make stuff. But I already like I have this text chat that's with this that it goes along with this podcast. And I what really drove this home, I was like told all of those people, I'm going to have an EP out by February 28th. And so that drove and this was mid-December, I think, when I said that. Right. And I was like, "Woo, that's a time crunch. I better get to work. And then it just started. It started flowing, baby. Um and then now I've I've come up with this whole different concept for this weird instrumental thing that I've done, and I need to combine it all together. And I told them I'm, not, I'm probably not going to hit February 28th, but it's not because I didn't come up with enough material. It's because it, like too much. <laughs> I got too much, and it expanded out further, and it's expanded out in. I've had some people that I've sent it to that that want to do collabs now. Um, but I think that's going to be a separate project. I've got like four that I'm going to mash together with a bunch of field recordings and a bunch of weird things. And uh, and that'll be the EP. But I'm probably not going to make February 28th. So. <laughs> Dude, that's <laughs> exciting, though. At least it's for the right reason, you know, instead of, oh, I haven't done anything, you know, like uh, it's it's hard. It's hard to get caught up in that kind of stuff. The uh, it, I'm, I'm excited for you that you're going to release that, that stuff to the world. I, I haven't recorded anything. God knows how long the, I got, I actually just recently rediscovered my love of pedals and stuff and effects just cause oh, yeah? I, I'm a big effects guy. I love it. I love effects, but the uh, getting so caught up for the last few years and designing an amplifier, most of my playing is done direct in just to, you know, kind of analyze what I'm hearing and, when I design an amp, it's, it's all just direct guitar to amp. I don't, I check pedals just to make sure it can handle everything well and make sure it sounds cool. But 
I find that most of my playing is done that way. So I've been kind of pushing myself to uh, play for myself more and not, and not for design. So I've been, uh, I've been playing more and more and more every day, just, just for fun rather than, you know, analyzing how it sounds or whatever, because you get so caught up doing that, that it just, it gets kind of dull after a while. But I, I got, uh, I broke out my pedals again and, you know, rediscovered some old favorites and I've, I fixed my, uh, my favorite pedal. So that was, that was pretty fun to play with. I have, uh, it's an old, uh, a Ross DP combination. It's like, a distortion and phaser. Oh dude. I have one of those. Oh dude. Yeah. I like to call it the, the double penetration combo. So yeah, (laughs) it sounds so good. Dude, it's amazing. Like I've heard, I've heard okay phasers before, but this one, it just, oh, there's just something that, that flows with it. Just the, the, the phase is such a musical, nice sound. And then you add that distortion on top of it and it just, oh, it blows me away. So that I've, it it was so noisy before, but I fixed it up and cleaned it up and it's, it's back to all of its glory. So you're the one, yours have the full like 110 volt plug yeah, in yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy so it can get real noisy but i don't i don't mind noise as much as other people i guess i don't either yeah it, as long as it sounds good it's it's all cool so i run that i've been running that through a uh an old 90s electro harmonics deluxe memory man and just messing with the phase and the delay with a little bit of vibrato on there too from the memory man and it's just Oh man, I'm I'm just like, oh, why did I ever stop doing this? <laughs> <laughs> so, and now I get to hear it better than ever because I'm going through my amps. So it's actually the first time I've hooked up like uh, the phaser to to this amp. So it, I, yeah, I was blown away. Yeah, pedals pedals are wonderful, and like honestly, they've they've completely changed me as a player. They're absolutely crucial to the music I'm making now. I'm. I really I use them completely as an extension of the instrument now and I mean there was even a point where like I was using them on one track like kind of more like a modular synth where I, I had like a Chase Bliss blooper running out to a bunch of other stuff and I would like play something and then turn my volume off on my guitar let the loop start going and start modifying it with the effects that I had laid out um and then I would go back and I would play something else over the top of it, go back and do it was I was totally treating it more like a synth than a guitar, which, you know, isn't for everyone, but it was a lot of fun. I love that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love getting uh, I've been doing a lot of fuzz lately. I, I ordered about 500 germanium transistors Ooh. and uh, I've been playing with, uh, you know, making a fuzz. So. I've got one designed up right now that's it's based very heavily on the old classic 60s, you know, like tone benders and fuzz faces and stuff. But uh, with my own little tweaks and all the really high quality parts I've found over the years, uh, just to give it a little bit of extra clarity. But, oh, my God, you get you crank that fuzziness and it sounds almost like a synth. You know, you get like square wave out of it and uh, in conjunction with cranking the amp. And it's just. Yeah, it's. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I really like bassy, bassy photos. Yeah. How do you feel about like a, a good old like Russian Big Muff? Oh, dude, it's the only Big Muff I have. 
Yeah. I, me I too. love it. Yeah. <laughs> I used to get jealous of my friends, uh, like traditional Big Muff, because I was like, oh man, I, you know, that one's so cool. I want the traditional one. And when I went to buy one at the time, the only one they had was the Russian one. So I got that one instead. But then all my other friends were envious of mine. Like, what? You have the Russian one? It sounds so cool. It's, and then now I've grown to, I would never trade it for anything. Yeah, but my other favorite. So I love the I love the Russian ones. I have a I have kind of a weird one. I have the era where they were transitioning. They were still in the big boxes that would have been originally painted green. Yeah, but they were transitioning to the smaller boxes and the new font and everything. So I've got this big box that that is like the green box, but it's got the newer print on it and it's black that's so what it's the like, one i have yeah okay you got that one too yeah, yeah those are yeah. the weird in between ones that people don't really talk about they're i don't know that they're all that different and there's from... not there's not a nine volt connection for it it's yes only battery yep so i modified mine to well i didn't modify mine i made a cable where i could just plug in the battery connector. right so <laughs> yeah i the way i got that one is was kind of funny i mean it's not that unique of a situation but i had already bought a couple pedals from local store and i saw that one sitting in the case and i'm like man i have clones but i don't have an original ehx big muff which seems kind of weird for a guy yeah. like me yeah and i was like but i really don't need to buy that right now right like i said i've got that covered i don't need that and then i was like well what's the harm plug it in real quick and I plugged it in. I was like, oh, this is coming home. This, <laughs> this thing is, sounds insane. This is me now. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, well, that, yeah, this is okay. This is mine now. And uh, yeah. yeah, I still have it. It says, don't touch Mr. Frost's muff on the back. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know who inscribed that. Oh, I mean, Mr. Frost probably, but I'm sorry, Mr. Frost. I've or, been... someone, or someone that learned a good lesson. That well, <laughs> I've invited Mr. Frost over uh, publicly on this uh, podcast yeah. for years. Come, Come try to back. take this thing from me, Mr. <laughs> Frost. I dare you. Yeah, I'm not gonna give it up without a fight. Maybe but, that's uh, why all the snow and stuff is happening around you right now. Oh, maybe. Like you maybe, know, I did. Maybe this is the lesson that you've. <laughs> maybe you I did take a picture. Yeah. Of it in the snow before everything really went sideways for me. So <laughs> right. it could could be trying to uh, seek revenge, potentially, this yeah. Mr. Frost character. <laughs> Man, good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Well, we've talked about your, your pedals and, and amps and stuff, but what kind of guitars are you playing? Oh, man, right now, uh, my favorite guitar is, again. well, again, I got the uh, the Casino, the Elitist one back or whatever, back in action. I had a Bigsby on it for a while. I installed the Bigsby on it and I realized that it totally killed the tone because it kind of compresses the, um, the top piece down too much. So it's not as resonant as a casino normally is. So I took that off and put the trapeze back on it and Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so I've been playing that a lot. And then, uh, my current favorite is, uh, I was looking for a Les Paul for a long time and, I played so many of them and some of them were good and some of them were okay. And then I went to uh, one of my dealers actually in, in Petaluma over here and they had, they stocked um, Eastman guitars mm -hmm. and I played their, their Les Paul version. It's the, uh, the SP 59 and it was just immediate love. So I, 
it, just like you, when you played the big muff, it was like, Oh, I, this is mine now. I have to have this. So uh, I've been playing that a lot. It's a really nice, like, I call it an, like an ugly, ugly orange color. It's like a violin orange, but I, oh, I think it's so pretty. It's so cool. Um, and it just sounds amazing. It has some uh, Seymour Duncan antiquity pickups in it, the PAFs, and it, it can't get any better. So that I've been playing that. Um, the I got a PRS recently because I got a really good deal on it. So I got a like a core model custom twenty four, but I I can't bond with it. It sounds amazing acoustically i you know i play it unplugged and i'm like oh man this like you can hear everything it's so cool and it's so smooth to play and then i plug it in and it's just uh i don't know it's i don't enjoy it as much as my other guitars so i'm thinking about switching pickups or something yeah i've heard i i don't have a ton of experience with with prs um but generally for for me most of the time the pickups leave something I don't know what it is. I really can't put my finger on it. It's like, this isn't quite what I want. Yeah. They're almo- they almost sound, and this is going to sound like, this might sound kind of weird to people. They almost sound too clear. No, I absolutely know what you mean. It's, And that's what it is. Remember I was saying earlier about how you, you know. You it's like add, a hi-fi guitar pickup. But yeah, not in a you, way that you I add one thing and it's too balanced to where it has no character. Mm-hmm. So when you have a completely balanced flat response, it, there's no, there's nothing interesting going on. So uh, yeah, it's almost too clear. I've found that I, I do like it a lot more when I dial the, the tone knob back. So it cuts out some of the high end. So you get a little bit more of a mid push with it, but um, yeah, still, still leaving something to be desired. Uh, so my, I actually got a lot of guitars in 2020. Oh yeah. Cause of all the, weird COVID stuff happening. Um, I just happened upon a bunch of them, but one of them, it's actually a pretty good story. The, uh, me and my buddy that do the, uh, guitar and amp repair and stuff. Uh, we were hired to come kind of evaluate this estate sale because it was this old, uh, yodeler that he was like 95 years old or something. And he was actually stuck on that, um, that princess, whatever ship that was uh, stuck in the San Francisco Bay for a few weeks oh, when, right, when COVID right. like first hit, he yes. was stuck on there and called his uh, daughter or something and said, you need to sell all my stuff before I get home because I'm, I'm getting married and you need to just, you know, get rid of everything. So he had like all this old audio gear, like 50 to 80 guitars um, and a bunch of old amps and stuff. Uh, most of it didn't work. Or was or was just thrashed, but one a couple of the gems there were an old original 1968 Fender Princeton amp and a 1968 Fender Coronado two. So, um, yes, those are so killer. Basically, we evaluated everything there and said, "Oh, you'd get this for that. You'd get this for that." And um, she said, as a as a form of payment for doing all that, she'd give us a really good deal on a. Uh, you know, a couple items of our choice. So I, yeah, I picked those up and the Coronado. Oh my God. It's, it's so nice. It's a hollow body, like the casino, mm-hmm. but it, it has such a different tone just because the different scale length and everything. And the old, uh, the vintage single coil pickups in there. Um, 
it, it I need to throw some new streams on it again because um, they they're already worn out here. But the uh, the tones out of that thing are incredible, and I I kind of like that it's called the the Coronado because it's I call it like my coronavirus guitar because because <laughs> the whole story <laughs> the whole story behind it. Yeah, I had a chance to get. Well, I didn't have. I literally did not have the money at the time, or otherwise I would have gotten it. But there was a local store that had, I think, a, I can't remember what year. I want to say it was a 68. I can't remember. It was an Antigua Coronado 2. And I was like, I know some people don't like Antigua, but I do. Um, and I was like, man, this thing is so cool. And it was $800. I don't know why they had it priced at $800. Wow. It was all original. They didn't make, I think they just kind of made me maybe oopsed a little bit on it. Yeah. But it was 800 bucks. And I remember it specifically because all of the coolest guitars in that store outside of like, you know, the 1950s Gibsons or something, but like all of the ones that I would, would have like genuinely took, taken home for whatever reason that day, they were all $800. Wow. <laughs> it was like a bunch yeah. of really cool guitars that were 800 bucks. Man, that's um, crazy. There was like a K Speed Demon and it was really nice and a few other things, but. This Coronado, I was like, I want this so bad, and I literally do not have eight hundred dollars. Yeah, like, that's 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 funny. I had literally eight hundred dollars in my pocket at the time, and I offered her eight hundred for the Princeton and the Coronado. I was oh. like, look, I was like, look, these are worth more than this. You can definitely get more in the right place, but this is all I have in my pocket, and these are the only two things I want. If you'll do it, awesome. If not, I totally understand. And she was like, "Oh, absolutely, take them." Like, oh, you're like, oh sweet yeah. score. The, to be fair, the Princeton didn't work. Uh, it had a blown power transformer, but but I know how to fix that. <laughs> you're just the guy for the job. Then. That's yeah. perfect. That thing was cool too. I was surprised to see because it's a silver face Princeton, mm-hmm. um, and I. I'm familiar with the whole blackface silverface theory and when it changed and what the circuit did, but I didn't I didn't realize at the time that the '68 was kind of like the like a golden year where they still used all of the the blackface components because the silverfaces they kind of you know they're not as as sought after because the circuit changed a little bit and the and the components changed uh, to cheaper stuff after after CBS took over, but. Um, this one I opened up and it still had all the original like like blue molded caps and the and the um the previous circuit from you know 65, 66, 67. Um so that was I was really surprised to see that. I was like, whoa, because if I had known that, I I I would have been way faster to to get it. The uh <laughs> it that little stuff makes such a difference. Just I guess that goes back to what what we were talking about earlier with the you know cables making a difference or not that's a big one is capacitors people argue about oh you know it, uh, a capacitor is a capacitor nothing changes but again when you have the right stuff and you have the clarity there everything matters you, you know again i won't say one is better than the other always but that stuff's crucial and you change a different even like the uh one of the big one of the most commonly used capacitors now in boutique camps is like the, the little yellow Mallory caps and they're like a polyester and metalized uh, film. And they sound good. They sound decent, but if you get one, that's a little bit more money and is not metalized. It's actual metal foil. 
just that construction difference alone with the thicker polyester film and the the real foil when it starts to open up and you have a few hours on the amp you get this richness and clarity out of it that you do not get from the other ones it's subtle and i think that's where a lot of people make the mistake because it doesn't change the tone and people are listening for tone changes they go oh it sounds the same well well it does it's the same song you know you listen to a song on the radio and a song in your stereo at home and a lot of people will say it sounds the same because yes the tone is the same and it, it's not any different but there's a clear difference between listening to a song in you know on the radio or on a really nice system it, it's just like a a it's just the integrity of the sound. It's just so much bigger and clearer and fuller that it 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 just makes it so much better. I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to argue with like like he's, that's a good analogy that you use. Like the song is the same, and it kind of sounds the same, but the difference between putting it in your earbuds and listening to it, even on the system that I have, which isn't this crazy high end thing, but it sounds all right, like. It's way different. It sounds way better yeah. On, yeah. on my system than exactly. it does in my earbuds. And it's not that it sounds bad in my earbuds. It doesn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't listen to it. <laughs> but it sounds, it's way more of an experience to, to put it on, get the vinyl out, you know, and, and do the thing upright. It's just, it's just better. Yeah, it's just better. And that's what it is. That's what, like, even when I was doing the, uh, cause I started out with silk tone doing the cables, just the instrument cables. Um, and a lot of people, you know, their initial response is, what do you mean? It's just a cable, a cable's a cable, but, but it's not. And you plug the silk tone in even next to like a Mogami or something. And they're the same capacitance per foot and everything like that. But you know, the silk tone just has this fuller, more immediate sound out of it. It's the same tone, but it's just more. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Well, we're getting down to the, the last few here and uh, we got to wrap this thing up so we can get yeah. to the, get to the Patreon section we can get real real intense yeah um but before we do that i like to give you the opportunity to you know put up a billboard say whatever you want to say you know tell your uncle something that he said at thanksgiving really offended you like whatever you want to do like this is your time to shine yeah uncle charles stay off my property (laughs) (laughs) for the last time uh no yeah just Go go check out Silk Tone. We aren't going anywhere. It's an amazing amp. It's one of the best amps you'll ever hear. Of course, you know. Of course, I'll say that. But um, they're in shops in California. You can go to Vision Guitar or Tall Toad Music. If you're in Texas, you can go to uh, Austin Guitar House. They're great. They did a, a nice video for us. You can check out demos online. Um, this thing will blow you away. If you hear one in person, you'll you'll fall in love. It's just you can get tones all over the place. It does its own thing. It's a totally original circuit. Um, you'll have fun with any style of music you like. You can get it really raw and loud and bassy and crunchy, or you can get the cleanest cleans and the nicest, deepest reverb you'll ever hear. So don't take my word for it. Go check it out at a dealer. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. That sounds good. Okay. Let's get into these classic questions. Cool. First, what is your favorite boss pedal? Ooh, uh, I guess the one I'm that I kept around the longest was one of their delays. It was the Giga delay, uh, the mm-hmm. DD 20. I think it was, I really liked the, the kind of like the, the double sound they had. They had a, a mode on there that was doubled it up and it sounded so full and huge. And I really loved that. And just, yeah, just all their digital delays are, have always been kind of mainstays. I have a, a DD seven here right now. It's, it's really nice, but, um, I didn't get too extremely into boss pedals back when I was younger, there was a lot of snobbery with like, Oh, I can, I can make one better than that. Or I, I you know, there's better stuff other than boss. So I kind of like skipped over it. But then in the later years, I was, or more recent years, I've been trying to checking more of them out. Cause that, you know, I'll get them through to fix or I'll get them through to um, friends will bring them over. And I'm like, these things are pretty sweet. So uh, my friend actually brought over a Keeley modded uh, blues driver and that thing is awesome. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have to, there was definitely like some snobbery involved in like, I don't know, maybe starting in 2010, 2000, you know, somewhere in that ballpark yeah. where it was like, it wasn't cool to have boss pedals. Right. And yeah. then it's slowly came back around to where people are realizing, wait a minute. They like invented a lot of this they stuff. invented <laughs> pedals, <laughs> you know, like at least for like you know, yeah, the just the abundance of pedals and all the different effects. And I still think, even though I was, you know, I think there were better sounding pedals out there. I still think they're the coolest looking pedal around. Like it, you go to a shop or you know, guitar center or whatever, and you see the Boss pedal display, and it's you know, thirty or forty Boss pedals in a row all different colors i just think it looks so cool yeah i have a shirt that just is like the three stoplight boss pedals yeah and i love that shirt <laughs> yeah. it's just like I, I i i like boss i need more boss in my life i i i quite enjoy myself some boss a bf2 is one of my favorite pedals so yeah, yeah. that's a question i like to ask yeah that's but now cool. now it's time to get into the the big one i, I hope you've you prepared because I know you listen to the show oh, God, a little bit here and there, but here we go. What kind of pizza do you like? All right. Are you done being friends? Maybe we'll still find <laughs> out. Uh, my go-to right now is pepperoni bacon, mm-hmm. jalapeno, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And pineapple. No, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, you ruined it. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, it, I, was, I was really with you there for a second. I can't do it without jalapeno, though. I need it to balance. Uh, I never used to like pineapple. I know I always laugh about it when I hear it on your show. But uh, I actually worked at Roundtable Pizza for like six years delivering pizza. So I've tried every combination of pizza known to man. It was good, but yeah, I kind of <laughs> fell on that. I, I've actually lately been favoring more uh, pesto pizzas, so I'll do like pesto sauce with mozzarella and feta cheese or something with like artichokes and mushroom, and I think those go together really well. But it pizza, it I eat as a form of entertainment these days. Mm-hmm. So pizza, I do too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> My whole it's, life, it's I've one done of, that. It, I've gotten pretty good at it. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. pretty good at eating a pizza. 
So um, we've actually been going lately, me and my fiance, uh, to that like mod pizza where you can build your own and put anything on it and mm-hmm. trying all different kinds of stuff. And I've I've been really liking ricotta cheese on there lately too. So yeah, my wife is really big on the ricotta cheese, and uh, she wants it like on every pizza. And I'm like, I only want it sometimes. I yeah. I do like it. I do like it a lot, but I don't want it on every pizza every time the way she right. does. It's funny. I think I could. I was telling my fiance about that the uh because she often won't eat pizzas if i put certain things on them so we'll have to do half and half or something like that but i was like that's so weird like i don't think there's a pizza out there that i wouldn't eat if it was in front of me like regardless of what's on it there's not a deal breaker for me except maybe anchovies which i really tried to like but they're, My experience with uh, anchovies is not that I don't like the flavor of anchovies. It's that they are just too much salt and it so takes salty. over everything. It they're takes over so everything. Salty. Yeah. Oh, maybe if I had different ones or fresh instead of, you know, round table or something, but oh my God, everything tasted like boot. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> I was like, I could see where this was going, but I need it to be like 70% less intense. And I like yeah. intense flavors. Yeah. It just, it, I couldn't taste anything else. Yeah, that was the problem. Maybe, maybe I could put pineapple on an anchovy pizza and the two would balance each other out enough that I could handle it. I don't know. Whoa, that would be interesting. I Yeah, pineapple, I, there can't be too much because if it gets too liquidy, like too juicy, I don't, That that's gross. But uh, it has to be nice, you know, fresh pineapple. And I think it's really good along with like a spice, like jalapeno, or I'll do like sriracha on it also. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I do owe it to the listeners because of all the, the pineapple hate I've thrown out, you know, just in general, not just on pizza. I've really, <laughs> really been a pineapple hater. For oh, you my just don't like life. it at all. Yeah, I don't like it at all. Oh, except okay. I found something that pineapple based that I like, but it wasn't straight pineapple, but it had a lot of pineapple in it. And it was a pineapple cider, a hard Ooh, cider. Yeah. And I was like, Is I it actually a- like Ace this. or whatever. Ace. It well, it wasn't an ace. I, it was okay. a it was a local company, two oh, towns. Nice. Okay. Um, I think they called it Pineapple Paradise or something. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I really enjoyed that, and I gave it a shake because everything that they've made, I've really liked. So I was like, well, let's try some more two town stuff. They haven't led me yeah. wrong yet. Nice. And I was like, well, I actually, I don't just kind of like it. I really enjoyed it. So you know, maybe I'm turning over a new leaf. I'd always rather like something than not like it. Every time. doesn't matter what it is. I'd rather like it. I don't want to not like things. That's Yeah, that's that not sucks. Fun. That's yeah. not fun. Yeah. So I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But, uh, dude, yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed the, the conversation. This For was sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Of course. All right, everybody. For Charles, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm guessing you did. I really enjoyed it, so hopefully you did too, especially if you've made it to this point. In fact, if you've made it to this point and you didn't enjoy it, I would ask, why? Why are you still here? I do appreciate you, though. I really do mean that. And if you would like more of this conversation and, you know, honestly, a lot more, you can go to Patreon. And for $5 a month, you too can get extra episodes beamed directly to your ears in whatever player you're listening to this on. You know, it's pretty easy, pretty simple. And honestly, that helps out so much. It literally, 
literally keeps the lights on. I know I say that all the time, but I actually mean it. It's paying the electric bill, and that is honestly a huge, huge thing. So thank you to the patrons, and thank you for downloading this episode. Again, please share it with a friend. If you want to join in on the conversation, and you're going to be on Facebook anyway, I know Facebook's a mess. I wouldn't be on it if it wasn't for this group. But you can join the Tone Mob Facebook group. We're in there. We're talking about pizza. We're talking about nonsense. We're talking about what happens in the episodes. We're talking about whatever. Anything that goes on this podcast goes in that group. And honestly, it's a really good time and the best reason to be on Facebook, in my opinion. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the Tone Mob. You know, all these plugs and all these things. Just stay in touch. Stay in touch with me. And if you want to stay in really close touch, you can text me at 503-751-8577. And in that, you will be included in the chat that I send out to the close listeners of this show. Basically, we're talking about trying to push any sort of musical or creative endeavor forward. We're talking about food. We're talking about whatever. It's your direct line of communication to me. That number again is 503 503- 751-8577 and you can text me and that comes right to me. You'll get a couple automated things to opt into it. And if you decide it isn't for you, you can text stop and opt out anytime. And it's all from me. It's all a one-on-one conversation with me past the first few texts. Uh, a lot of people have been a little bit confused by it because it's kind of a new thing. But yeah, so you text in. I'll reply, say thank you. And then from there on out, it's just between you and me. Generally, I'll, I'll, I'll have something on the top of my head or off the top of my head or whatever. I'll have something I'm thinking about or want to share with everybody. I'll text it out. Sometimes it's an article. Sometimes it's something I've been up to, especially regarding this EP I've been working on. It can be any number of things, uh, not necessarily all guitar gear related. And then that's where the conversation starts off. You know, I, I've got... <laughs> A lot of threads going on there. I haven't missed anybody yet, I don't believe. I've I've replied to everyone that I've got the notification from, and it's been really enjoyable to have these one-on-one chats with the listeners. This has been really a rewarding experience. I'm really glad I, I, I'm giving it a try. So again, text me at that number. It's in the show notes should you uh, need to look that up. Anyway, you've got other things to do. Let me let you go, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com slash StringJoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com slash StringJoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. 
We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. 